Welcome into a brand new Tuesday scramble, July 5th, 2022. I'm Rick Gaiman, that right there, Andy Lack. Andy, hey bud, did you do anything uh, noteworthy for the 4th? Uh, not much. I had been traveling a bunch. Uh, I had a wedding. I was in Chicago for a bit. So I was kind of just like getting my bearings settled back in New York. I played, I played some golf over the weekend, um, which was fun. And, uh, no, just took it easy. Started diving into the open. What about you? I, uh, I got caught up on stranger things. Have you seen this? Okay. Did you watch this? Uh, I don't watch stranger things. No. Um, I feel like I'm just committed to seeing how this whole thing ends at this point. They're in, you know, season four. There's, I guess, going to be one more season coming up, but I have, I have the finale left. So the last like three or four episodes are all two hours long. They're like each right. a movie. And I'm like, right. wow, like, that's awesome. Like, it's amazing. I don't know what the budget is. The budget has to be nuts. Like you can say what you will about the storyline, but like the visuals in this show are pretty, pretty nuts. <laughs> so I've heard the the final season is a bit polarizing. Would you agree with that? Where I think a lot of the diehards are a little kind of out on the most recent season. I don't know how it ends yet. So maybe that will make me feel a certain way, but I do like, and this happens with a lot of shows where the main characters are kids. Like they're clearly not kids anymore. You know what right. I mean? Which is like, it's tough to pull off some of the things that you were previously able to do with these children as main characters. And it's like, we're, we're past it. I can't believe they're going to do another season after this one. Oh, wow. I didn't, yeah, they, I didn't know that as well. Yeah. I mean, it, what's that five C I guess it's Netflix's biggest, biggest thing going right now. I guess maybe, maybe the golf show can overtake that hopefully next year. Oh, easily. Yeah, no, that'll be no problem there. Once the, uh, once the golf doc comes out, um, it is Tuesday and I am actually watching live Tiger Woods play golf at this JP McManus pro-am it's, it's a hit and giggle Andy, but if, if golf's on TV and Tiger's playing, I'm watching. Right. So um, I've been following more so with the scores. What is the eye test telling you with Tiger? It looks rusty. I mean, yeah. I, I think uh, especially yesterday, he hit some shots that were not tie. I mean, he would hit a chip that would come back to his feet. His speed control looked a little bit off on the greens. I thought he drove it okay. Um, I just think he's he's got to get it. He's got to get it dialed in. It looks like a lot of rust out there. So do you think that he will, um, do you think he'll be able he's going to probably, I would imagine he's not playing Scottish. So maybe he'll, he'll head over to St. Andrews a little bit early and play. Uh, I mean, not that he needs, he probably knows that course, like the back of his hand, but I would imagine that if you're trying to put a positive spin on things with tiger, I mean, this is kind of a Parkland course and uh you know hopefully when he gets to st andrews that's going to be a little bit more up his alley uh yeah listen and the other thing is it's kind of hard to tell like at, at the other major championships this year we saw that limp get more pronounced like the more the week went on it's kind of hard to tell here because he's in a cart so like i'm really getting very little information about the state of tiger woods at the moment <laughs> Yeah, so you're not even get getting to analyze the gate, huh? You're right. not getting you're not getting to see the stride. Uh, it's not uh, gate gate, which would yeah. be like <laughs> <laughs> it, he he ball striking wise though. How's the ball striking? 
I mean, it looks pretty crisp, but I, I just think, again, his distance control has been a little bit off. And maybe mm. that's something where he's just got to get more reps in and get the club through the turf or whatever. But, uh, I mean, the long stuff's actually been, like, the long games, I think, has been better than his short game. The short game looks super rusty. Would you, um, would you change, like, I think we put, when we've talked about this a couple of weeks ago, we put the finishing position on him at, like, I don't know, 27th or something like that. What does it, does this change anything for you? No, I, there's also like, he's clearly not trying all that hard. You right. know, like he, there was a couple of chips where like, there was a chip where he like left it back at his feet or whatever. And he just within a half a second had hit it again. Right. It was like, it was not the full Tiger Woods grind by any stretch of the imagination. So no, I, I think I'd be a little bit silly to change my opinion based on like this event. Right. Well, Xander looks like he's trying hard, huh? Z Xander's just going to like, here we go. Dude, I mean, Xander, Xander's going to win this. He's going to win the Scottish might just win the open championship might just rattle off like four in a row, including this pro am. Uh, let me ask you for Xander, most impressive win to you shadow leaderboard at tour championship. Uh, Zurich Classic Olympic gold medal or JP McManus? <laughs> it's got thirteen. It's got thirteen number one players in the world in it. Um, oh, it's a big boy field, yeah. You, ha I think you. As much as I love the Tour Championship win, I think you have to throw it out because, like that, him winning that was not aligning with what he was thinking in the moment. Right, right. the so context that, of it. Yeah, that has to go away. Uh, what were my other options? The Olympics or what was the, was there the Olympics, one? JP McManus and Zurich. Oh, Zurich. No way. It's gotta be the Olympics then. It's gotta because, be the Olympics. Yeah, yeah. Cause that's, you know, while it's still a smaller field, while it still was super top heavy, uh, he knew where he stood the entire time there, there is, yeah, no, that's, it's, it's a 100% the Olympics. 100% the Olympics. I agree with you. I think the Olympics win was actually underrated, which is a whole different podcast. But yeah, I mean, this is, we see this with guys all the time. And I'm not saying this is going Say to happen with Xander. Say but, the floodgate thing. <laughs> but I mean, look what happened with Scotty Sheffer, right? Where he is results wise he was doing a lot of what xander was doing like people forget that the way scotty Scheffler started his career before the floodgates uh we <laughs> shall say was a lot of close calls like a lot of top fives a lot of top tens especially at major championships right and then he gets that big win in phoenix over xander shoffley unironically um and he wins i think four times in his next seven or eight starts and has you know one stroke out of winning the u.s open and losing in a playoff at colonial too. So, um, hopefully for Xander, like I know with him, a lot of it is a confidence thing. Like he kind of had to get over the hump of, he has all the talent in the world. You ask any of the other players and they say, Xander has absolutely everything you're looking for. I know for guys like me and you, we've seen it too, because the statistical profile is so solid right. all around, but he's had those struggles on Sunday, closing the door. And hopefully he was able to, you know, build some momentum from, from what he kind of experienced at the travelers and can bring it on forward. Yeah. He's uh, uh super bullish, just super bullish on, on Xander moving forward, even without this, uh, what is seeming like a, Stout victory, the JP McManus. He is he is too clear of Sam Burns. Sam Burns has uh, two holes to play, trying to track him down, and then everybody else has 
Yeah, I mean, Shane Lowry's four back with nine to go, but uh, probably not going to get there. Yeah, and I look, we should not overreact to this. I mean, is there anyone, are you looking at, um, are you looking at scores from the JP McManus? Does that have any bearing on who you're going to play at the Scottish Open? Like Fitzpatrick, for example, is like six over at the JP McManus. Is it, do you care at all? Fitzpatrick is kind of an interesting one where, like, I'm happy that he's getting these U.S. Open hangover rounds out of the way right now, right? Because right. this this could have been the first two rounds of the Scottish Open where he shoots 77, 73, and goes home, right? So I'm actually I'm actually happy that Fitzpatrick, it, like, there was a chance he was going to play poorly in his first competitive events no matter what. Uh, but otherwise, no. Like, seeing that Bryson's a couple under par or DJ's a couple under par, I guess those guys aren't playing the Scottish. But you know what I mean? Like, I'm not... Like Colin Morikawa is playing well. Like, no, none of, none of this is not really changing my opinion on anybody. Right. Okay. I agree. I, I completely agree with you, by the way. Uh, so those live guys are not actually, they can play the Scottish. Ian Poulter can play Adrian Otage. I forget. I don't, I think that's how you say his name. He can Otagi, play. Yeah. And uh, there was one other third guy who's in. So Brandon Grace won in Portland, which Andy, I think this is kind of, the one of the potential problems that we identified six months ago is that in 182 tour events, Brandon Grace made $12 million. And in two live events, he's made 6.6, which is a problem when other guys look over and say, freaking Brandon Grace is winning all this money. I'm way better than he is. I should go over there, over there and do the same thing. That's like the, he is now the official example of what we talked about could potentially happen. Yeah, and I think if I had to make a guess, and you've been on this one too, is a lot of guys are... Pro I don't think, to be honest with you, we're going to get to... I know we got Paul Casey in the last couple of days. I don't think we're going to get too many big names before the Tour Championship, but then as soon as the Tour Championship happens, I think we're going to get a second migration because I think a lot of people are saying, well, what's the upside in me going now? I might as well just double dip, right? And try and get some of the FedEx Cup money, have all these other guys take the heat for being the first wave and then go in the second wave during the off season. Yep, 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 yep. I agree. I think that's exactly what's going to happen. So we'll keep an eye on that. Shout out JT Poston, wire to wire. And if I would have told you uh, the the winner of the of the Birdie Fest John Deere Classic would play his final 15 holes at one over, I think you would have smacked me upside that. Yeah. I mean, no one really went out there and, and took it from him. You know, I mean, he didn't he didn't play poorly on Sunday, but if I, I don't know if he played good and i i thought somebody maybe would have shot that 62 or that 63 to go out and overtake him but thing with jt poston like i remember when he won the windham he didn't make a bogey all week like mm -hmm. once every three years he's just gonna have an absolutely unconscious performance where he basically blacks out for 72 holes and then we don't really see him again for another three years and then randomly it's like oh jt poston turn the microwave on here we go again yeah, I tweeted that out, and some people thought that I was taking a swipe at, at him. And I'm like, <laughs> no, dude. Like, I'm first of all, I'm stoked for him, and I'm stoked for my bank account. But also, like, I think it's a testament to what he had built up prior to that, right? You, he, he had built up enough of a lead to shoot 
one over over his final 15 and it just says that nobody made a run at him like that's okay that happens all the time on the pga tour it is not a negative it is not a, not a knock at jt poston it's more of a statistical anomaly that that was you know to play the u.s open at one over over your final 15 and win makes complete sense the john deere classic usually does not yeah i mean i think obviously there was a lot of uh the big story this week was you know, the field and the dichotomy between the fields on the Live and the John Deere and, you know, what's a better TV product, what's more compelling and stuff like that. Did you find yourself gravitating more so from one to the other? I watched, um, I watched probably two hours of, uh, of the Portland event. Mm -hmm. Uh, I, I, I do not believe that there is good golf being played i tune in and i see guys hit some horrible <laughs> shots some really really horrible shots and they make pumpkin ridge look very very difficult um i do like some aspects of the broadcast i i like the scoreboard that they have that flips around i like how many shots that they show um and there is there is a comfortability for me to wake up and have golf on all day for the john deere which yeah which so, so for me, I personally like that because I'm sitting in front of a computer in front of a TV all day. I can follow it all day long, but I do not believe that that is necessarily good for the game, that it's like a 14 hour window, a 14 hour broadcast window. So there are definitely, uh, especially, especially from the broadcast side of it, like pros and cons to both of these items. Very fair. I would agree with that. I have talked about, I talked about this a little bit on my Sunday podcast that I like, I like the idea of golf being on all day personally for me, but I understand completely what Liv is going for. I think there's something appealing, especially to the players. And, you know, for a lot of golf viewers, I think we're probably in the minority where we're able to sit down all day and kind of digest it. I think a lot of people probably want to get in and get out. And maybe they have that short window from three to six on Saturday or Sunday where they want to be able to consume all the golf possible and they don't want to just be able to see the leaders play the back nine. Um, I'm very fascinated to see um, when's the next one. It's the week. It's, is it the week the after the open? No, it's the end of the month. It's like okay. July 20, I guess it would be the 28th, 29th, and 30th, I believe. Yeah, I might go. I mean, it's... It's, it's Edminster. Yeah, it's very close to me. I, I, It's about, I think, a, I think it's 30 minutes outside of the city. So we'll see. I'll, I'll, use, I'll use promo code Westwood. <laughs> yeah, get your 25% off. Um, the, and that's the last event until after the Tour Championship. Okay. which I think is important. They play a lot of events in the fall. Okay, um, I want to talk about the Renaissance Club. I want to talk about the Scottish Open. We have props to get to. We are indeed presented by Prize Picks. the code you're looking for there. Rick, link in the description. I have some stats. I'm going to become an amateur meteorologist. Lots of fun things are coming up. Uh, but first, we are going to take a quick break and hear about Andy's podcast. Andy Lack is not only the co-host of The Scramble, but also produces his own show, The Inside Golf Podcast. It's available twice a week, focusing on course breakdowns, DFS, and betting strategies for every PGA Tour event. 
Admittedly, I was drawn to Andy for his data-driven approach, which you'll find on his Sunday shows as he breaks down the field. But I'm even more impressed by his passion for course architecture, which offers a different perspective of our great game. Mix those together with insightful and humorous guests who don't take themselves too seriously, and you've got a recipe for a great podcast. Follow Inside Golf Pod on Twitter and download Inside Golf wherever you download podcasts. Okay, Andy, Scottish Open, the field is just straight yoked. 14 of the top 15, the only one not there, Roy McIlroy. He'll be there for the Open Championship. This is, uh, call it what you want, tune up before the Open Championship, but when you inject uh, this field into any tournament, it's 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 going to be awesome. Yeah. Um, I thought the idea of co-sanctioning this was kind of a stroke of brilliance, right? Because I think what we've seen in recent years is the move for more of the top end players to play the week before a major championship. And especially when you get the open and Lynx golf is so different from the golf courses that most of these guys see on the PGA tour. I think it makes a lot of sense for these guys to get some links reps in. So I could not be more excited for this. I love the, I got to say, though, so for you on the West Coast, like, what is your sleep schedule like these next two weeks, man? Um, I don't know. It won't be much. It'll just be uh, like, okay, so the coverage will start for me. So it's the PGA Tour Live this week starts at 2.30 a.m. Eastern on Thursday. So that's 11.30 p.m. for me. So what <laughs> I will likely do is stay up, watch a few hours, grab a nap, wake up and see the end of it. And then kind of try to be on that schedule. Like this, this Wednesday into Thursday will be the worst. And then I'll, and then I'll be able to figure it out. And then you'll adjust. Right. And then you have to do recaps too. So are those recaps going to be way, I would imagine those recaps are now like in the late morning for you. Yeah. So we, so if the normal, uh, the normal round ends at 6 PM Eastern, now it's going to end at like 1 p.m. Eastern. So for right. me, that's 10 a.m. Pacific. So I'll be doing round recaps and HQ hits and stuff like that, like all morning long. But then I guess right. I'll have the afternoons to do whatever afternoons and evenings or afternoons to do whatever I want. Afternoons. Yeah, you can play golf, maybe. Yeah, I should um, make some tea times for the afternoons. Yeah, right. Um Okay. Yeah. I, I was, cause I mean, I know it's a lot harder on the West coast, but I was thinking about the same thing. I'm going to have to change the schedule a bit, but yeah, I cannot wait. I mean, this is a, uh, I love Tom Doak. Obviously he's probably one of my favorite modern designers. So I cannot wait to, uh, to see all the stars teed up here at Renaissance. Answer this question because this is the fourth year we're going to play at the Renaissance club fourth year in a row. And, uh, I think what you read, you get a little bit of conflicting ideas. So I'm just going to mm-hmm. ask you a very gen- general question. Is this a link style golf course? Uh, length style. Yes, but it's not a traditional links. I mean, they're not personally for me, I would love them to see them play the Scottish Open at North Berwick or Muirfield. Um, just like, you know, we had the Irish Open on a Parkland course. That's a travesty that I, the Irish Open should be held at Bally Bunyan. I mean, have some freaking pride in your country, guys. Um, but no, I think 
as far as a modern lengths goes, I have a ton of respect for Tom Doak. I can't say a bad word about Tom Doak. This is the best that we're going to do. I think four holes border the ocean. Um, and there are some modern characteristics to it. Like they took out a ton of trees, but it was, you know, it was kind of built on a piece of land on an old pine forest. And you're going to see what truly characterizes Lynx golf. Rick is the predominant use of the ground game. Mm-hmm. And uh, you're going to see a lot of players not have to do that the way that they're going to have to do at St. Andrews. But I still think that in terms of aesthetics, it is, you know, it is a way more lengthy than we'll see on the PGA tour. I'll say that. The other aspect of playing overseas, which is going to, this is already turning people into a pretzel. Andy is the weather. And how it will impact the results and how accurate we can be at prognosticating it. And let me tell you, this is not going to be a fun two weeks for it. No, and it's not. And the other thing that I would say about it too is like, it makes our jobs harder, especially mine doing like the DFS article and stuff like that, because I'm, it's so dependent on the weather. But, um, like, if you look at a weather report for Boston on a Monday, it's not going to change all that much on Thursday. Like you can get a pretty good sense of what's going to happen. Scotland is way different, right? I mean, most of the times, like when you see this tournament has been played in the past, a lot of times, like you get one day that's completely calm Then you get one like two hour stretch where it's blown like crazy and then it calms down again. So I would say like do the best that you can. Um, The way that I see it now, it does look like Thursday is supposed to be pretty calm. And then Friday afternoon is where it gets kind of crazy. Is that that what you're seeing too? So so let's just throw out what we know. It is uh, July 5th at 1222 p.m. Eastern time. As of this moment, this will change every hour on the hour. Here's the PGA Tours web uh, website, which is local to Scotland. They have up to 33 mile an hour winds on Thursday, but there is no other weather source that kind of aligns with that. So yeah. if, you, if you go to Windfinder, and this, I mean, this is literally the Renaissance Club right here. Like that, that this is it. Right. Um, Wednesday is going to be insane. And yeah, this is, I saw so that. now, so now this is local to, to Pacific time here. So this is basically Wednesday afternoon is going to be insane. It's going to be like 25 miles an hour. When you go to Thursday, uh, and it'll be like Thursday, 2 AM is when these guys are going to start teeing off. It, not, not, nothing. There's nothing. Right. And then right. you go throughout the day, not really anything. By the time you're into Thursday afternoon, Pacific time, these guys are done. And then you look at weather underground. And they have the same thing. Wednesday is going to be horrible. Thursday, not so bad. So we've already got conflicting sources. I think I trust Windfinder and Weather Underground over just the random thing that's posted on the PGA Tours website, right? 100%. Go with Windfinder. Whenever I get questions (laughs) about the weather, I always say, go with Windfinder. They usually don't steer me wrong. That's what I'm doing. So I'm glad we're seeing the same thing. Does it change like... What do you think the winning score is going to be this week? Like, does this change for you kind of the guys that you're targeting potentially that at least one of the days looks like there's going to be really pretty easy scoring conditions. 
Yeah, and they got some rain, I think, either today or yesterday. I think it's going to be pretty soft. If you start looking back at the winning scores, the two, it's like a 10-shot difference in the years that were, they had soft conditions and the, and the year that they right. didn't, right? Like when Aaron Rye in 2020 um, won in 2020, I think it was like 11 under par, Minwoo and uh burned Viesberger got softer conditions and it was like 19 Eight, and 20 yeah, under 18 par and like 22. That. Yeah. So I, I think that's, if we're getting the winds laying down, like I think if this, if the forecast that I think is going to be right ends up staying that way, I think it's going to be 20 under or something like that. I would agree. I would completely agree. I think it's going to be in the 16 to 22 under ballpark. And by the way, I mean, that's kind of, the same deal for St. Andrews in two weeks time now, right? Like I cannot emphasize enough how much these links courses are dependent on wind to put up a fight and protect par. For sure. So uh, I imagine that is not going to be the last time that we look at the weather over the course of the next two weeks, but it is just the weather uh, that is being forecasted as of right now. Andy, let's, uh, let's do some props. There are some very interesting situations going on and with the way, well, I'll save that for the other side. Uh, we are going to talk about the props. We're going to go over to prize picks. We're going to open up the board and we're going to see what we can find. We'll do it on the other side. All of the tools and data that you see me use on this channel is from my site, rickrungood.com. Rickrungood.com is one of the largest golf databases on the planet, and it's geared towards making your DFS and betting research process as efficient as possible. There are literally millions of data points in the database, and while that might sound intimidating, the tools that I've built allow you to cut through the data quickly, choose what's important to use, and even build lineups that are ready for import directly into DraftKings. Outside of that, membership gets you access to the Slack channel, currently 2,000 run-gooders who are ready to share insights and have a little fun. I love it, and you will too. Sign up at rickrungood.com. The coach you're looking for is Rick. It's a 100% instant deposit match up to 100 bucks. There's a link in the description. This is prize picks, and we're going to try to take their money now. couple of items, Andy. I had another Andy who has been uh, in my emails and tracking those birdie or better matchups, which are not live yet, but I'm sure they will be at some point today. Okay. We've been we've been trying to figure out whether they're a trap, uh, whether they are profitable, because the headliner, the guy that is featured, seems to always be significantly better than the other guy, and the lines are always set to zero. Right. right. Okay. I have the totals for the last three PGA tournaments that Andy M has accumulated for me. Wow. Yes, it's very, very handy, actually. Uh, the last three PGA tournaments, the headliners are a cumulative 91, 66, and 25. So they are smashing the other guys as we were kind of originally suspecting so much to, this, to the point where we thought we were falling into a trap. I think it's probably a situation where prize picks probably looks at it and are like, we could probably operate at a loss on PGA 
because everything else is a little bit of a harder market to beat. And those are the more popular markets anyway. Right. So I think they probably look at it as like, well, whatever, maybe even if these guys want to make some money on PGA, we'll keep them for football season. Right. That's the, that's the thing. They're getting such more efficient lines on basketball, on football, and a lot more action that, uh, they, yeah, they could in theory just keep you interested at this time. Of yeah, year. just just keep you around, keep you interested. Which, by the way, uh, they've they had hot dog eating contest props yesterday. <laughs> they have MLB live props. They had live stuff. I I am interested. That is working. Keeping me interested is definitely working. But yeah, I think, and I just think in general, it's a lot harder to set lines and accurate lines for golf. It's such a volatile situation. Hundred percent agree. And yeah, they. I've been doing great in golf, but I'm probably going to give all that money back in football anyway. So it's kind of working on me too. Um, I was worried for a second because when I logged on this morning, I didn't see the matchups that I usually do, but you think they'll, they'll put them up at some yeah, point too. I, I think they'll come today. So they've kind of just been like releasing them little by little, like birdies are better than strokes on Mondays. And then Tuesdays you get the other stuff. So I think, um, I think they're coming. I assume they're coming. We'll see. Okay. Uh, go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say, I, I like, I was looking at some of the overs in these, like I, I was even the birdie ones. Like I think some of these guys, especially some of the ones that are at four, 4.5, like I think that there is some opportunity there um, because I looking at the weather and I think it's going to be pretty benign. Yeah. So most of the birdies are better are set at five for the big boys all for round one. Uh, you can get four and a half on Tommy Fleetwood, Keegan Bradley, Gary Woodland. You can get four on Ricky Fowler and Matt Kuchar. And I, I agree. So I think these are highly weather dependent, which is nice because we're going to be faster than prize picks is going to be on this. And if, if what we think the weather is going to be ends up being true, it's gettable, man. It's really, really gettable. These guys are going to have an opportunity to make five, five or more birdies or four or more birdies. The 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 lines are set at sixty seven and a half for the big boys. That's four under par at a par seventy one Renaissance Club. I, I think I think if if there's no win, these guys are going to torch the place. Yeah. So would you rather take the unders on some of the sixty seven point fives or take the overs on the five birdies? Um, I would rather take the over on the five birdies. Me too. I agree. So I, I've been kind of looking into it. It is, it's so, when you start doing this and you realize that there are a million ways to shoot a 70, right? Like yeah. you can make nine birdies. You could make two, bir- like there, and some of these guys do. And, it, and it's just so fascinating how they get it done. Like, like I would never take, I know he's not playing, but like Charles, how the third, like not your birdie maker, right? Like he's right. going to shoot a 67 with three birdies and, and 15 pars. But some of these guys just go nuts. Like Sam Burns is a really good example. Just makes a ton of birdies. He's going to give a couple back, but he makes a ton of birdies. So I, I would prefer over on the birdies than under on the strokes. I completely agree. I think if you're attacking this market, you want to go with the over on the birdies. There's some hard holes at the Renaissance club too. Like eight of the holes play over par. So I think the one that I was looking at, and this is because I'm quite high on him this week and I, he makes a ton of birdies. I like that camp Smith over five was kind of the, the favorite of the bunch. So that, that would be my hashtag pick. 
<laughs> yeah, he is leading the field in strokes gained approach over the last 24 and like hasn't even putted all that well recently. And right. when that comes around, he's just going to he's going to pile it up. Um, the other one I kind of mentioned was was Sam Burns. Uh, yeah, love that, too. He's just. He's just a birdie maker, man. And yeah, he's going to make a couple of bogeys and that's going to be okay because I'm taking five or more or over five on the, on the birdies side here in round one, but he's play again. So I can, I'll, I'll use the JP McManus stuff when it helps me playing well, the JP McManus, right? He's streaking, he's coming into it hot, but, but in all seriousness, um, he's got a, he's got a, a very good, uh, a great sample size of being like a, a guy who can go low. Right. And, you know, I, again, I think we should not put too much stock into this, but you know, if you want to take a chance on Ricky coming off a, uh, a hot round at the JP McManix, this is Ricky looked really good. And he was like four, 4.5. So maybe, maybe Ricky finds a little, little form. And he's Who played knows? well at the Renaissance club, right? He has, he's won. I don't think he's won at the, I think he's won the Scottish before. I don't think he's won at the Renaissance club though. I'd have to look it up. Um, he's been good on links courses though. He's been very good overseas. Yes. So we will see Ricky Fowler just shot a, well, he's going to finish like inside the top five at this event, five under. Uh, and I believe he's done the leaderboards kind of wonky for this. There was like three, situ- right. there were like three times in which they posted a nine on Xander's uh, scorecard. And the, they were all wrong. And then there was a time where they posted a not or like a quad on Bryson's scorecard from yesterday. And that was absolutely correct. He did make a nine on a par five, apparently. <laughs> right. So I'm looking at the leaderboard now. It looks like unless Hatton makes a two on 18, um, it's really just Shane Lowry who has a chance to catch Xander because Lowry has six holes to play. So he would need to go three under in his final six to catch Xander. I'm pretty close to Vince Carter gif on this one, man. Yeah. And Shane Lowry would have to shoot the round of the day to bait, to like, to, to, to overtake Xander. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm fairly comfortable uh, saying that Xander Shoffley is going to win this thing. Uh, no OWGR points for this. I'm assuming <laughs> I cannot imagine there are OW- no, no WGR points for this. Um, probably okay. even no, is there even any money for winning it? I guess there's gotta be, right? I think there's probably the business connections that you make with old JP. Yeah. JP just, uh, yeah, you're now, you're now like a consultant for JP and he cuts you like a million dollar check or something. And I think Monahan was, was there too, right? I saw Monahan around. I think it's a, a a bunch of heavy hitters for these guys. I mean, obviously, how else would you get all these great players to play if there weren't some ulterior motives with some potential business interests with some of the guys you're playing with? Ain't that the truth? Okay. Uh, we have to get to our matchups and we have to get to our one and done selections, unfortunately for me, but we are going to do <laughs> that right after I click this ad break if you're not playing daily fantasy on prize picks then you're not really playing daily fantasy they offer nothing but props and they do it better than anyone else you pick two to five players on an over under and can win up to 10 times on any entry they allow mixed sport entries meaning you can take the over on lebron james and the under on john rom the golf specific props are amazing birdies or better fairways hit greens in regulation round score and now yes 
single hole props. That's right. What score will a golfer make on a specific hole? I have prize pick specific tools on my website to help you build the best entries. And now prize picks is offering a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Just use the code Rick at sign up or click the link in the description. That's code Rick. Good luck. You know what? I haven't heard anybody talk about in a while. (laughs) NFTs. Is that, are those still, is that still a thing? <laughs> I, um, yeah, I would presume they're still a thing. I mean, people still have the profile pictures, right? Like I still see people dot ETH, right? Yeah. But I feel like the people who were willing to do that and like go out on a limb and be like, I'm an NFT guy. Like they can't, it's like, if you change yeah, you're that, into you're lost. Yeah. Yeah. yeah did you, so deep. did you, do you own any NFTs? <laughs> Yeah, unfortunately. Uh, so I, I probably owned, well, at some point I probably owned only like three or four and I sold two where I broke even and I still retain one where I, it is worth about 10% of what I paid for it. So my foray into NFTs, uh, just absolutely splendid stuff. Yeah. We'll have to monitor with Bryson too, because I know Bryson was making a play into that. And like Joel Damon, who like came on the board of that golf related NFT company, like haven't heard another word about that, uh, that, that NFT company that was, uh, trying to buy a golf course. Haven't heard anything else about that. Right. Right. Where where are all these projects? So wasn't Bryson's big NFT too that, famous picture of him at the API with the hand. Is there a conflict of interest now that he's suspended from the PGA tour? Is he allowed to make, I is he allowed know, to man. profit off of that? It's I don't know, man. Yeah. What a mess. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Lowry, I just, I, Lowry minus eight, eight now, by the way, is this is exactly what happens when I Vince Carter give it. Yeah. He almost, uh, hold out there. I think he's going to tap it in for birdie, I assume, but he almost hold out for Eagle. Um, okay. Let's do matchups here, which we, okay. I've been traveling. Uh, you've been traveling. So just to reset us on our totals here, cause I'm not sure if the last time we were together on a Tuesday, you are 51, 31 and five, which is massive. Yeah. I'm, co- I'm still hovering within striking distance of 500, which is my goal at this point with I think seven events <laughs> to go 40, 47 and five. So, uh, you should, you should follow what Andy picks here. So here we go. First one, Cam Smith versus Matt Fitzpatrick. Fitzpatrick, uh, playing for the first time since the U S open, you have taken him here, Andy. Yeah. I mean, I love Cam Smith this week. I already touted him for prize picks more on him a little bit later. I just liked the guys that you picked later on. And so I wanted to get different somewhere. And um, I love this golf course for Fitzpatrick. And I have no reason to believe that he can't keep the momentum going. I mean, what's so fast, what's so impressive and underrated to me about Fitzpatrick um, is that he caught the wrong side of the draw at the PGA championship and the U S open basically had to give up a stroke and a half, two strokes to the field um, to half of yeah. the best players in the world and contended at both of them. If I told you, Rick, that Matthew Fitzpatrick won the U S open as a neutral putter, like the dude has made some serious, serious, serious changes to his ball striking. And I have no idea, no reason to believe he can't keep it up. Uh, I agree with you. Both of these guys are 
top notch for me. I went with Cam Smith, talked about it a little bit earlier. Just he's been phenomenal on approach. The putter is the thing that's let him down, and that usually does not stay down very long. And I'm just, I, I actually, um, I, w- I haven't done it yet, but I will bet like a 28 to one Cam Smith this week because it just yeah. feels too long for a guy with two wins. And like when, th- when he gains four strokes with the putter, he's going to be in the mix big time. And that's probably likely to happen soon. Right. And the final thing on cam too, is like, you want cam on courses with wide fairways where he can spray it off the tee and right. the Renaissance club has pretty darn wide fairways. Yeah. So we'll see both those guys though. Pretty interesting. Sam Burns versus Colin Morikawa here. Uh, you and I have both taken Colin Morikawa and then Sam Burns just went out and, you know, lit a dare manor on fire, but, uh, we're still going to roll with Morikawa here, aren't we? Yeah. I like Morikawa a lot here. I mean, obviously he had that very impressive, uh, foray into links golf last year, winning the open championship in his first. Yeah, That was pretty good. Pretty good. So, uh, yeah, I have no reason to believe that Morikawa can't, keep the momentum going and i i i think he's gonna be uh i think he's gonna be great this week uh yeah i don't have much to add to that i just think that um he's awesome and i think that he gets kind of dialed in in some of these situations and i just and and honestly so you have to kind of split hairs on some of these guys i'm a huge fan of sam burns and have been for a while i've called him like the modern day winning golfer like all that stuff uh, there is a little bit of a concern that he's like lost strokes on approach in two straight and he hasn't been nearly as sharp. Again, I'm splitting hairs. I, I think that's what we have to do here. So I'm going to ride with, with Morikawa. Next up, Joaquin Neiman versus Max Homa. And you and I are both on the same side here. It's Max Homa. I have argued, uh, at least from a fantasy perspective, Andy, like his stat profile for an $8,000 golfer is about as good as it gets. Hundred percent, and he's actually turn. He's doing what Xander did, right, to get to where Xander is. Where he's not necessarily elite at one particular thing, but he's gaining strokes in all four major categories pretty consistently with the ability to spike on occasion. Like I would say, probably the weakest part of his game is still probably around the green, and he's even started to clean that up a little bit too. So I. You know, I bet Neiman at 50 to one this week. I think Homa probably has a better chance of finishing top 20. So I will bet him in this matchup. I've got the stats up here. Uh, He is basically been one of the better ball strikers on tour in 2022. He has, as you mentioned, cleaned up the around the green play, gained in three straight. and He's been really good for basically four in a row. Uh, The putter pops. And every time the putter pops, he turns it into something. I had a stat. It, it's old. I'd have to update it. But there was some. There was a stat where um, he had five situations in 2021 where he gained like four or more strokes putting, and every single one of them he finished inside the top ten. I think he won two of them. He was the only guy to take advantage of all of his pop putting weeks with top tens. The only guy. So it's like he, when he puts well, he's going to be in the mix, and it happens fairly often. Yeah, I honestly, Rick, I may bet him next week. I mean, I think he's good enough to win a major in the next two or three years. I really do believe that. So how about this one? Two completely different styles of golf. Jordan Spieth versus Will Zalatoris. Uh, For the record, we have both taken Zalatoris. I'm I'm terrified, excited, every other emotion about Jordan Spieth, right? I don't. I don't know what's going to happen moment to moment with this guy. Uh, 
but I'll take Zalatoris here. But man, if Spieth won this week or next week or whatever, I would be not surprised at all. I took Zalatoris. I think Zalatoris is way safer in a matchup. I think the floor of Zalatoris is so inherently high right now because the ball striking has become so elite. Spieth, I have no idea what to do with. Like, what? Do, what's the state of the union on Spieth right now? Because again, we talked about how this is such a good group of major championship venues for Spieth, and I don't think he's finished inside the top thirty at the U.S. Open Masters Players or PGA Championship this year, which is very yep. disappointing, in my opinion. Missed the cut at the Masters. That's horrible. Should never happen if you're Jordan Spieth. Uh, finished 34th at the PGA Championship and then 37th at the U.S. Open. You might cut him some slack at the U.S. Open because he was like super sick the first two days. But right, it's you're right. It's not. It's not good. Um, everything else besides the major championships have been have been have been way better. Honestly, would you? What number would you need to see on him at St Andrews to to give him a bat? Like 30, 30, 30, 35, 30. Yeah. 30. Sounds about right. Somebody will hang a 30. Yeah. Somebody will hang a 30 and I'll bet it. As long as he doesn't win this week, he is the guy that I think he was like 25 or 20, 25. Last time I saw, um, if he wins this week, he'll be the favorite next week. You think? Well, I mean, I don't know about the favorite, but I think he will jump up a tier. I right. think maybe the, not the favorite, but it'll be like yeah. 16 to one or 14 to one or something. Right. I agree. I think the Scheffler, Rom JT Rory mini tier is kind of locked in. I think those guys have such a strong resume. I, I completely agree, but no one wants to get burned by Spieth at St. Andrews and Jordan Spieth <laughs> is about as public as it gets. Yeah. Right? Is there yeah, anybody I'm... more public? Like we talk about, okay, the, I don't know, like what's the football equivalent, like the Patriot or the Packers, the Cowboys. Packers are a public, the Cowboys. That's a better example. The Cowboys yeah. are such a public team. Who's the most public golfer? Is it Jordan Spieth? Uh, well, outside of non-Tiger division, yeah. I think it's Spieth or Rory. I think Rory's up there, man, because I think now Rory's like he's the white knight of the PGA Tour. And um, I think, I mean, I would say biggest storyline in just terms of play outside of like Liv and outside of Tiger is probably Rory, right? Yeah. I would say that the most people are looking to watch Rory. I think he's almost like too perfect for that golf course. So I would say, yeah, if Spieth, if Spieth wins this week, he'll make a run, but I still think it Rory, you got to put Rory up there too. Fair. Okay. Uh, we're both on Zalatoris here. Yeah, you're right. The floor for Zalatoris is just so much, so much higher in the seal or, or excuse me. Yeah. The floor is so much higher for Zalatoris and the floor for speed is so much lower. So we'll see how that goes. He, uh, he got DQ'd from the pro-am. Did you see that? Speed did? I did for like scooping a putt. That's what I, I mean, I do that all the time, but he was like 18 inches away, scooped it up and forgot that he has to post his own score. <laughs> yeah. Which uh, listen, I mean that Jordan, I salute you, man. He was playing golf in La Hinch and all those great Ireland courses. Have a day, buddy. And the best part is he still gets to finish and play for his team. He's just out of the individual. So out he's still, of the he's individual. Still playing. He's still playing. Yeah, it's so out of fun. the individual competition, which is which is fantastic. Normal uh, sport, as we say. That's right. Scotty Scheffler, Xander Shoffley. I might just lock button both of these guys in this week. Stoked yeah. about both of them, right? I mean, Xander's... I, I've, I've made this case before, but like even if you re remove the two wins... His strokes gain metrics are phenomenal. 
Um, then he goes out and he probably wins this stupid thing and, and, you know, has me foaming at the mouth even more. And then Scotty Scheffler, Andy, uh, you want to talk about floors? The guy is literally slumping with his putter, like literally a, a stroke per round worse with his putter slumping Two runner up finishes a 13th, a 15th and an 18th in a slump. That's a joke. He is two strokes away from a six-win season with two majors. That is a solid season for Tiger in his prime, right? Like what Scotty is doing right now is it continues to be underrated, in my opinion. So as much as I love Xander, like if you're giving me, if it's just even odds and we're we're trying to pick who's going to have a better finish, I'm taking Scotty over anybody in the world right now until proven otherwise. If... Rory McIlroy had this season, they would have a gold statue of him in Ponte Vedra by the Tour Championship. If Rory, yeah, if Rory McIlroy, if John Rahm, if Justin Thomas had this season, they'd be thirty percent in DraftKings every single week, mm-hmm. every single week, regardless mm-hmm. of price. And you know, it's Scotty's a, still it's, not there. It's a special year, man. It's a very special year he's having, and there's like. Not much sign it's slowing down anytime soon. <laughs> I was looking at, um, I got caught looking at Spieth's 2015, oh, where, God, so yeah, where he won the Masters, won the U.S. Open, finished top five St. Andrews and uh, PGA Championship, I think, too. I was watching, um, I was watching the final round of the 2015 st andrews on youtube just before i go to bed just to kind of get me pumped and in the uh in the mood it's sick my only you know knock on it is they never show the leaderboard for the open films which is like makes it very frustrating but i would recommend checking that out if you want to get the juices flowing in the next week jordan spieth's 2015 here we go oh my god okay so Wins his second start of the year, which was the hero. Top tens okay. at Phoenix and Pebble Beach and the Northern Trust. That that was at Riviera. The one was the Northern Trust Open. Wins the Valspar. Finishes second at the Valero. Second in Houston. Wins the Masters. Uh, wins the U.S. Open. The, I mean, this is this is stupid. It's stupid. It's stupid. So, what did he finish with? Like two majors and five total wins. Five total four. wins, four runner-ups, and and one third. So that is ten podiums in twenty-five uh, in twenty-five starts. He won the Masters and the U.S. Open. Uh, yes, and finished runner-up at the PGA. So he almost, jeez, oh man, he almost won all four majors. Like I was watching to yeah, come he, full circle with that point. I was watching the St. Andrews final round. Like he was there. A win, it mix. was win, 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 runner up, and T4. Right. At the major. Right. Stupid. Uh, one and done update. So we have been kind of just putting these in via text as our schedules have mismatched over the past couple weeks. It's a very simple update from last week, Andy. You and I took the two favorites, Adam Hadwin <laughs> and Webb Simpson. Uh, they both missed the cut. So we got $0. You're $2 million clear for the year you're at 5.6 i'm at 3.6 but man web and web and adam hadwin what a what a lame thursday friday from those guys i 
I don't really regret the decision, right? Like I wasn't going to use those guys were the favorites for the reason I wasn't going to use them in any other spot, but yeah, just a laid a complete and total lag. So we move forward. Let's move forward. Um, you've teased this already. You're going with that, uh, with, <laughs> I almost called him Andy Scott. You're going with Cam Smith. I don't know why yeah. I almost said that. <laughs> yeah, I was, um, I was surprised that I still had Cam Smith available, to be honest. I was do proud you, of Do you? Should I double check the spreadsheet? Do you have him available? So I do from my bookkeeping. You do. But if you want to fact check it, I respect an audit. <laughs> um, yeah. So I was surprised that I had him. Uh, you know, we're getting down to crunch time, right? And I still feel like I still have, I'm playing Rory at St. Andrews. I still have him available. Um, I think it's a good spot for Smith. I mean, I, I don't, is the purse, how does the purse rank? The purse is kind of like middle of the pack. Maybe the purse is a little bigger because yeah. it's the co-shank sanction. Uh, uh, I think it's like one of those, I think it's 8 million. I think it's 1.3 up top. So that's like your, that's like your job. I mean, what did Xander probably won the same thing at the travelers? Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. Okay. No, I'm feeling, I'm feeling good about camp Smith. Let's uh, let's rock and roll buddy. Uh, I am just out. I'm out of guys. I'm out. I got, I have no one left. So I am, I am down the board here. I have played Tommy Fleetwood. I am not excited about it. I am hoping that Tommy Ladd uh, can find himself in a scenario like he has at the Renaissance club the last two years. I think he's got like a 26 and a runner up finish. I'm looking for like, let's just have Tommy win this and we can continue the whole Hey, maybe this is a PGA tour event, but Tommy can't win in the United States. Like, let's just, let's just pour gasoline on that fly, f- uh, fire. Maybe Tommy can win this thing. Well, I got to give you a fair chance as a chaser. Last time there was an alternate field, we did it. And I had oh. the guy that finished second. So <laughs> if you want to throw, which helps my lead. So if you want to, okay. th- I don't think it's a very big purse, but if you want to throw Barbasol into the mix, I've done yes. no research on it, but I'm happy to do that. Yes. Yes, I do. Do you, do you okay. know, hold on. So let me add this to the outline. Do you have any idea who the favorite is? Cause I just found out it's Goddard up, right? Uh, well, depending on where you look. So Mark Hubbard and Chris Goddard. Up. Wow. I wow. mean, I just like, I just, you have to let me go first, by the way. Um, 100%. Yeah, 100%. I just have to take Goddard up here, don't I? Yeah, I would imagine that. Like, there's just no other scenario in which I take anybody else. Do you have the odds board up by any yeah, chance uh, right yes, now? Yes, yes, I do. Um, I can I can bring it to you here in a second. So, come on. I just got to arrange my windows. Here it comes. Draft Okay. Case. So oh, easy. This is easy. I've been riding Svensson forever. That guy. I knew you dude. were good. I knew you were going to go with Svensson. That was the only other one that I considered. Yeah, Svensson, hundred percent. So let's do it. Got her up, okay. Svensson. I feel got good her about up, that. Svensson for all the money. Uh, Mark Hubbard, the favorite. Strillman's twenty-two to one. John Hutt, twenty-eight to one. Uh, I bet you. I oh, Sam Ryder at forty. I could get behind. Not bad. Yeah, I like Ryder too. Makes a ton of birdies. So, someone named. Dale Whitnell is 65 to one. Wow. Rough times. Yeah. How is he? Michael Gligic played well. He was 70 to one. Played well last week. Is my boy Eckrode in the field? Austin Eckrode by any chance? He's, uh, he's no, been, there are two Cockerell. Austins in the field and neither of neither. them are Eckrode. No. Cockerell, I'm guessing is one of the Austins. Uh, then. Cook, Cook and Smotherman. 
Oh, okay. I like Smother Rune too. All right. Anyway. All right. Hmm. Interesting. All right. Whew, maybe I can get an extra four hundred thousand dollars that way, or whatever the <laughs> whatever the winning the winner whatever share the is. is. Uh, Andy, absolute pleasure. Glad we could connect on a Tuesday. Uh, we will be back on Friday, which by the time we go live, that round will almost be over on Friday. We'll we'll like yeah. basically have the cut determined. Yeah, whatever you want to do, if you want to move it up or keep whatever, you just Probably tell just me. Keep it. Probably just All keep right. it. Yeah. Okay. Follow Andy on Twitter. He's available at, at ADP Lack Sports, and you can find me at Rick Run Good. This has been your Tuesday scramble for this week. Best of luck. Talk to you soon.